0: the stars and the sun, you're always reaching for one. I've wanted what I can't have, throwing away what I always had, knowing with an unsure heart you were just a part of the same stars and sun. We are hedge bets and lost causes. We are rebels without pauses. And when it's time to break the windows and time to burn the buildings down, you can bet your ass we are on the front lines. Raise the Dead, Man Gone, These Three Years, from whiskey and heartbreak and heartache. In this house mirror, I stare so deeply, I see myself, where you are now, where I was. If you collected tears, would you drink them or drown? If you collected souls, would you feast on them or fast? If you collected them both, you would still have neither. Reaching your arms out and trying to snatch out stars doesn't get you any closer to heaven than a hammer, a halo, and some nails. Dangerously drunk, and only then I feel like I want to. Too much on my mind is on my mind. It's cancer, it's death, it's how I'm getting home. It's God, it's the bottle, it's how I'm getting home. Someone's sister is just, like my mother, somewhere sick, like a baby bird. Stuck in a nest, suffocating, never singing, never flying. It's the past, it's the future, it's the heart that's never sure. It's marriage, it's divorce, it's my heart that's never pure. It's cigarettes, it's beer, it's her that's never here. It's hollow and empty. It lies like rounds, so easy to swallow. Venom dipped and dripping claws, clawing, hear their calling, come crawling along supple skin, supple sin. Let's love like Abel and his kin. If the skeleton has a key, it's his cigarette, a blaze, sands muscles and flesh, a fiery storm from his skull, to the smile, to the metacarpals, to the ashtray. Come now, Christian lions, and lay with slaughtered lambs, birth your soldiered peons, who will wretch the holy word. I will prefer my years, though, spent as a liar with a liar happiest in the glen. If I was a dream, I wouldn't be, what I seem. No iconoclast icon, secretly saying you're wrong. I would be paper, I would be words, I would be this song. If I was the wind, I would carry smoke, I would bend and I would whisper, and discreetly blister, a quiet voice, out through the trees, wishing I'd kissed her. The sky slate gray, like a blind man's eyes, with this hate roiling, like a fool suffering, with his silence here, like a time bomb or a hungry child, with all of this, all I can think is, where did all of the stars go? Teeth too sharp to touch, mouth too numb to close. Come now, Christian soldiers, lay your swords down to thee, beat them unto plowshares, and lose the light with me. I can make promises too, like the good lord or a rapist, but faith is like an orgasm, It's worthless when you fake it. Soft pen, like lover's fingers on paper skin, a kiss, a promise of a meeting between two lips and a rose. Please forgive me, I've forgotten your name, even though I've known you my entire life. But I've lost a lot of blood from these wounds, and the knives are still in my back. Yet you're no Stella, but I can yell your name Just the same, Blanche can go, crazy and go, fuck herself, because we're still here in the rain. I'm the bulletproof vest when I want to be the bullet, so I brace myself for impact and hope for the best. Your kiss touches everything but me. That was a selection of poems from a file I call Accidental Poetry. This is Mr. Wright, episode number four, Accidentally on Purpose. I'm Doug, and we're going to talk about poetry today. I actually minored in poetry in college. Yes, not a very pragmatic thing to minor in, but I enjoy writing poems. To give you a little bit of background, I've been in and out of bands since I was probably 14, and I always wrote a majority of the lyrics. It's a form of poetry. When one of my friends, a guitarist, came to me and said, what would you do if you couldn't write? Um, you know, would you go on to be a teacher? Would you go on to... What would you do? And I went, the thought had never crossed my mind. I always assumed I would write. In that, um, I do write, but I also find it very creative to do these podcasts. Not just this one, but all the other ones I'm on or produce. So, I've never given it a thought to that I would never would never stop writing, uh, specifically poetry, um, or lyrics. I still write a fair amount of poetry. I'm actually working on a piece for a friend's sister... Um, it's taken me weeks, I just haven't had the time to put it together, but I've been working on new techniques I've never used, I'm sorry, old techniques uh, in poetry that I've never used, such as Burroughs' cut-up technique, in which that I write a cohesive piece, and then chop it into little strips, and pull out the, uh, the the strips at random, and rebuild the poem. It's a neat concept. It, my first experiment with it did not work. Um, I'm starting again, now that I'm a bit more accustomed to how I can make it work for the pieces that I write. But I'm going to talk about a few more tools in terms of writing poetry. One of my favorites, oh and quick disclaimer before I get to my favorites, um, you'll hear me flipping through pages. I I have notes about certain poems uh, or bits of poems I've written so um, I may need a reference and that's what you hear in the background. Uh, One of my favorites uh, is enjambment, which I could do this whole thing where I go, You know, Oxford Dictionary's definition of. I'm not going to do that. Um, I will tell you in layman's terms what all of my favorite tools for writing poetry are. Enjambment is when the last couple words, line A, change the meaning of line B. I'm trying to see. I think it's the third little piece I wrote that starts with raise the dead. Well, that means raise the dead. But the next line is, starts with man. Raise the dead man. Gone. These three years, each little bit keeps adding more and more and changing the line uh, that precedes it. That's enjambment. A really good example of that is actually a um, lyricist and musician named Blake Schwarzenbach who I'm a huge, huge fan of, and uh, he had a band called Jets Brazil. One of the lines he says is that um, he's left in a room with an ashtray white telephone. When you look at the enjambment there, you think he's talking about an ashtray, but then the second line changes the preceding line, and he's actually describing the color of his telephone. Stuff like that has influenced me immensely, and reading it here on a podcast um, loses a little bit as opposed to when I've read stuff publicly um, or in open mics, in which I try to be a bit more um, emotionally connected to what I'm saying as opposed to kind of the cold recording But I love Enjambment, and I think it's a really neat thing you can practice, um, especially when you know what it is. And some people use it without even knowing what it is. Once again, look at the name of this episode, Accidentally on Purpose. Some of these, a a lot of what happens in poetry is these very, what's called, happy accidents. It's always fun when that happens. In terms of prose, I actually accidentally did this. I didn't even think about it. Um, It sounds so trite when I say that, but it's true that in my first novel, the main character is caught between two people, and one of them is Mr. Sunshine, and the other was Mr. Rain. And someone had brought that up to me and went, it's so funny, he's stuck between Rain and Sunshine, and I went, oh, I didn't even realize that. I didn't even think about it. I just thought they were cool names. That happens in poetry constantly. You will start writing, and then you develop a certain kind of rhyme scheme or a certain kind of rhythm um, that you end up kind of breaking up at one point, and then you go, oh, Shit, that was enjambment. Or, you know, oh shit. The next favorite one is parallel structure. And you see this in political writing, in speech writing. Kennedy's speeches, uh, JFK's speeches, were perfect examples of parallel structure. I don't have one in front of me. But when you look at, like, repeated phrasing, repeated rhythm, um, every other line or every line, that's parallel structure. If you look at the Green Lantern Oath, that is parallel structure in terms of rhythm. Um, in brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let all let all those who worship evils might beware my power green lantern's light. It's got a parallel rhythm. Every line has the same rhythm in terms of parallel structure. It's when you see repeated words, and I'm gonna see if I can find one that's got that. Yes, actually, the I think the fifth or sixth piece I read. There was kind of a a chorus to it, you can tell my background was in writing lyrics, where it says it's cancer, it's death, it's how I'm getting home, it's God, it's the bottle, it's how I'm getting home. I wrote how I'm getting home twice. That was on purpose, that's parallel structure. The kind of chorus of it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And that keeps coming up um, almost every other verse in that um, piece. That's parallel structure. Now, in terms of, I've got free form. We've talked about structure a little bit. Some people say freeform is not poetry. I find that ridiculous. I think freeform is actually one of the hardest things to write because when you don't have structure, you can go off the rails very, very easily. If you don't have a rhyming structure, it could sound more like prose than poetry. So you have to look at your words, the rhythm, In terms of that, if you don't have a rhythm, but you do have rhyme, I cannot believe I just said that, but if you do have rhyme and not rhythm, then you're going to want to look at, can you make that structure work and get it across when you read it? There's an episode coming up in which I talk about, uh, I believe it's going to be episode eight, so in a couple months um, from this time of recording, called Burned, where I'm going to read a piece called Burn Victim, that's a short version of the name. And what I did was, I basically wrote a piece for a then girlfriend, and I built my own sonnet structure—the complete opposite of free form. And no one has ever written in that sonnet, sonnet structure before. No one has since. Even I only wrote one piece in it. Um, I will describe that, and we'll talk more about structure on that show. We'll probably still talk about it here. Um, but in terms of free form, I I find it that if I need to have, if I have the burning sensation. Should not have phrased it that way. But if I have the burning urge to get an idea out um, in terms of poetry, I will jot down a bunch of loose lines or general feelings. And those can be construed as free form. But I look at it as something we're going to talk about uh, on another show, um, The my idea dump, where I just get the idea out. And then I will build a structure around that. Um, I will look at it and go... Could this be free form? You know, how do I want to make that work in terms of the piece and what I'm writing? Or do I want to fit this into a sonnet structure or an ABAB structure? Um, And if you don't know what an ABAB structure is, it's every other line rhymes. A rhymes with A, B rhymes with B, but it's ABAB. It can also be AABB. Look up sonnet sonnet structure. There's... A myriad of ways you could do it, um, whether it's A-A-B-B-C-C-D-D, or A-B-A-B-C-D-C-D, or I did one, um, I think, I believe it was A-B-C-A-B-C, which was extremely difficult to read, but looked great on paper. Um, If you read it in your head, it worked. If you read it out loud, it was a little clunky. Um, And like I said, we'll talk about that poem in in a further episode. I also want to talk about another favorite thing I like to do, which is conflict of meaning. Conflict of meaning is simply um, that two things don't make sense together. Once again, um, an example from something else I've written called Charlie Don't Surf the Web, which was published in Wired Magazine um, in 2002, I believe. There's a character who is going to have his consciousness downloaded into a um, robot body, while he takes a break um at work before he goes to the the downloading place he goes out to a park well that's a conflict of meaning because he's going to nature but he's doing something that is going to be cold and mechanical later on that's a conflict of meaning um a conflict of meaning in some of the stuff i've written i'm looking through here yes in the one that starts with the sky slate gray like a blind man's eyes By the um, middle of that piece it says, like a time bomb or a hungry child. Those two things seem very uh, disparate. They seem to be conflict of meaning um, on paper, and they are, because you think one is a thing of innocence and the other thing is a thing of destruction. Mine was meant to convey that they both will eventually go off for some reason. The bomb obviously with a timer or some kind of detonation. The child with hunger or pain or confusion. But in that, if you look at destruction versus innocence in the vessels, um, that is a conflict of meaning. If you look at the piece teeth too sharp to touch, mouth too numb to close, there is some um, conflict of meaning there in terms of comparing the inside and outside of the mouth. I don't know if I have any more conflict of meaning in some of the pieces I've written here, not here specifically, but like I said, I love conflict of meaning, um, putting two seemingly contradictory ideas together to form a even stronger idea as a whole. Now, in terms of poetry, some people say poetry should be like us, you know, seven stanza sonnet, or free form should be kept to. Approximately between seven and uh, ten stanzas, um, depending on quote unquote non structure of it. The last piece I read is literally one line Your kiss touches everything but me. I find that poetry. Um, I think songs can be poetry. I think one line can be poetry. I'm not going to sit here and tell you your child's eyes are poetry. That's fucking ridiculous. They can inspire you to write poetry. You can describe them poetically. But I would say anything physical cannot be uh, poetry. Even to say that someone is poetry in motion, that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor. Sometimes one line is all it takes. Sometimes it takes more. This is based on the idea you're putting forward. I could have kept going with an idea that uh, of unrequited love. But I think just the line, your kiss touches everything but me, sums it all up. There is an opening line in a comic book written by Warren Ellis called Lazarus Churchyard. The first line in the comic that you read is, no one kisses me anymore. It's literally the only line of uh, uh, inner monologue that you read on the first page. That one line set up pretty much um, the character's motivation for at least the first two issues in terms of wanting to be Loved. I think the line, your kiss touches everything but me, talks about an unrequited love simply, easily, artistically done. One line. It can get it done. I hope you enjoyed this episode about poetry. I hope this gave you a little bit of insight into how to write poetry. Once again, I... Don't think poetry can necessarily be taught, even though I was taught it. I think I was taught some of the tools I can use to make my poems better. But I like the idea from Dead Poet Society when he goes, get out your book and read me like the scale of how to rate a poem and then tear that piece of shit page out. Because that's what I believe as well. I think poetry doesn't have to rhyme. I don't think it has to be seven stanzas. If it is, great. If it isn't, fine. I think poetry is just your soul in words, your feelings in words expressed on a page uh, in, a, in a creative way, um, in an artistic way. From Mr. Wright, I'm Doug. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on.